Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Go Hunt and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Sign up today to become an insider at GoHunt.com. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitments as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at Fish and wildlife.org that's fish and wildlife.org happy thursday everyone welcome to another episode of the average conservationist podcast and i'm your host marcus ewing today on the podcast i am joined by Mating patelis and Mating is the co-founder and ceo of two percent certified brand hunt to eat uh, many of you i'm sure are familiar with hunt to eat um, they started off really um, just as an apparel brand. Uh, Mating and his brother uh, had started some uh, about eight years ago now. And it's really kind of transformed uh, into um, this community, uh, not just uh, apparel, but, you know, recipes, um, different hunt camps, and has become this very uh, inclusive organization uh, and community Um to try to get people into the outdoors, um, to, you know, help and teach them about, uh, you know, preparing wild game, uh, and, and all, and, and foraging and just all these different things that someone can do in the outdoors that isn't necessarily directly hunting. Um, and, you know, another thing Mating and I talk about is, is his upbringing here in Michigan and how his path to where he's at now was, a little bit uh, unconventional or non-traditional, I guess. Um, you know, while he spent, you know, pretty much all of his life in the outdoors, it just wasn't necessarily directly um, in in the hunting space. Um, Martin goes on to, to talk about uh, some really big things that they have coming at Hunt to Eat um, that they're actually uh, just announcing this week as well um, with a bunch of new content that they're going to be putting out, um, various podcasts, 
um, and a new magazine, a uh, quarterly magazine that they're that they're coming out with as well. Uh, so some really cool, exciting stuff coming out from Hunt to Eat. Uh, I was super uh, excited when Martin was was telling us telling me about it, and we kind of had to keep it under wraps uh, for a little bit until they actually made the announcement. So. Episode 63, Matzing Patelis, Hunt to Eat. Enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome into the podcast today the co-founder and CEO of 2% certified brand Hunt to Eat, Matzing Patelis. Matzing, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, it's a little hot here in Denver, a little smoky, but uh, but we're managing. So, yeah. yeah. we. I was uh, out in Denver uh, September of last year. Uh, yeah, probably middle, middle to end of September. Uh, and obviously the fires kind of ravaged through, especially there further out on the West side. Um, and I was coming, I was heading East into Denver, uh, and we were on, <clears throat> on 70 there and you could see where the fire had come down. And since we were on the eastbound, it like everything was torched all the way right down to the, uh, the westbound lane. And it was just insane. Oh yeah. To see the that damage. was a big fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trip. You know what's happening there on that stretch right now is they essentially are telling you that if you see thunderstorms building, that you should not drive that stretch because we've had so, it burned everything so badly that we've had uh, uh, landslides through that whole section of, of road. Really? And so it's, it's, it's closed the highway like two times, two or three times, I think, already. Um, yeah, which is crazy for Colorado, right? Because like to get around, it's essentially the Glenwood, Glenwood Canyon. And uh when 70 shuts down, like it shuts down commerce in the United States. Right. Cause like, Oh yeah. To, Cause it's 70, right. So 70 runs across the country and it's, um, it's crazy how the detour for that thing is like brutal for truckers. It's like, Oh it's yeah. A, I mean, I know it's like I've, a four hour detour. Yeah. Cause I know I've been out there in the wintertime skiing where, you know, just between to get to, you know, from Denver to like all the resorts that are maybe hour, hour and a half outside of Denver yep. there. I mean, if that pass gets closed because of a nasty storm, uh yeah the the workaround is just awful for you know just being in a regular passenger car let alone you know a semi or something like that yeah yeah so it's crazy it's uh you know i think that's what we're dealing with in the west these days is uh lots of lots of forest fires yeah yeah it's it's certainly an unfortunate thing to, to have to deal with you know year in and year out yep yep um but uh to all that pine bark beetle gets burned or gets managed one way or the other. I think I don't see it stopping anytime, which is a little crazy because there's some spots in Colorado where there's just so like everything is pine bark beetle killed. Right. And so it's just waiting for someone, someone or something to strike a match or a a lightning strike or something and and burn it all. Yeah. Just waiting Um, its turn essentially. Right. Yep. Exactly. Now, well, Well, I know how busy uh, you are with with Hunty and everything like that. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate you being able to make some time today. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad to to share what's coming with Hunty. We got a lot of new stuff brewing and building. Um, So, yeah, it'd be fun to share that with the world here. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe maybe even a little pregame. Yeah. Yeah, I know when we launch. Yeah, I know we talked about that. So, we're trying to. Launch this as close to um, kind of your announcement of all the cool stuff that you guys have coming. So hopefully we're we're able yeah. to make that happen. So the timing is right. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me let me ask you, Mating. So how was it that you were kind of first introduced to the outdoors? Kind of going all the way back to to your childhood. Uh, Boy Scouts. Okay. Yeah. So we did. Uh, we had a Latvian Boy Scout. You know, obviously. Well, for folks who don't know, 
I'm Latvian, but you know, that's my, my brother, the old famous Latvian Eagle on meat eater. Um, we've gotten a name, I think a little bit because of our Latvianism. Um, but yeah, we grew up like kind of Uber Latvian family. So Latvian is my first language. And, uh, so of course, uh, we were in a Latvian boy scout troop and, uh, yeah, I mean, we got, we had pretty good, you know, like, uh, I mean, what you want to call them, like, uh, scout leaders, if you will. And, uh, they got us out a bunch and, um, into different camps and stuff and backpacking and whatnot. So yeah, that was really the biggest, I think that, and um, you know, our dad obviously hunted growing up. So, um, I never actually hunted with him, but we definitely got around, um, outside building blinds and helping him, you know, do stuff. And he'd point out sign and all that kind of stuff. So we were always in the woods. We also were just I'm still, I'm old enough that we were full on latchkey kids. So we just ran around the neighborhood and <laughs> luckily had a lot of, you know, green spaces around to go get lost in the woods and build forts and stuff. So we were always just rummaging around outside, you know, looking for stuff and doing, doing stuff. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I mean, I grew up the same way. I mean, I grew up in a, in a fairly rural area in, in Northern lower Michigan there. And yeah, that's kind of how it was, right? You just, you, uh, you know, I had a lot of woods around me. So it was just kind of go play in the woods until, you know, it, it seemed like it was probably time to head home or you saw your mom's car driving up and down the road looking for you or driving slow by yep. the woods and, and seeing where you were at or something like that. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I feel like, you know, nowadays that 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 I don't want to say it's frowned upon, but it's definitely not as prevalent uh, as it was probably when you and I grew up. Definitely not. Um, yeah. Which is a bummer. It, it is. is a bummer. I think it's uh, I think it's good for kids to play and explore and and uh, be left to their own uh volition uh how, how no matter what kind of trouble they get into yeah uh, but yeah so yeah we uh we kind of did that um boy scouts and whatnot and uh honestly there was a lot of like uh i think for my middle the kind of middle years i got lost in uh being a being just a, a i don't know what you want to call it like a not the best kid in the, in school or whatever. And just like, you know, doing teenager stuff. Um, but eventually I had a, uh, um, I had an English teacher who actually, uh, was kind enough to see the, see the little bit of, all right. So you were saying, uh, you had an English teacher there. We got uh, cut off for a second. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks to, uh, thanks to my 10th grade English teacher. And, uh, really, I think, uh, uh, a, a kind of a so the end of the year um, final exam was uh, about transcendental writers, you know, like Emerson, um, all those folks. And uh, I didn't study for it whatsoever. And I came in and uh, sat down and wrote four essays. And uh, I got a, like a hundred and ten. I got an a, it's only a plus I think I've ever gotten <laughs> um, because that stuff just came. It came naturally naturally to me to like think about the woods. And like wildness and what that offers people um, and what these guys are all writing about, you know. Um, and so I think at that point she saw a little spark uh, that she kind of believed in something about me. And she handed me a uh, like a brochure, but it wasn't a brochure. It was like a full on book about Prescott College, um, which is ultimately where I ended up going to school. But at the time I saw it, I saw the book. I thought it was really cool. You know, they taught you how to rock climb and how to you know, become a guide and all these things. Um, but they also looked at like the, the average GPA of a transferring student and, uh, the cost. And, uh, 
even back then for a private school, like is expensive. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of put it out of my mind that, you know, that I would ever make it there. Uh, but like four years later, after a couple of years of community college, um, or maybe three years later, somebody asked me like what I wanted to do in life. Um, it was kind of like in a very poignant conversation and it just popped into my head. I was like, I want to go to Prescott college and learn how to, you know, rock climb and be a climbing guide and a adventure educator. And, uh, yeah, about a year later, I, uh, through a bunch of work, I ended up making it there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I landed in Arizona. Um, I, I'd say very much on my own, you know, I drove across, I was literally drove out across the country by myself and my blazer and, um, just set up shop in Arizona and went to start going to school. And, uh, you know, I just had no, I, I the world was kind of blown apart for me at that point. Right. Of like moving away from Michigan, moving away from kind of Midwestern culture and yeah, being, your comfort you know, zone, so to speak. Yeah, totally. Um, and landed at like what is arguably probably one of the most liberal colleges in the country. Um, in what, and honestly, one of the most conservative counties in the country. Um, it's this, it's a very, uh, interesting little dynamic they have going on there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, then I was just like, I was pretty much all about rock climbing at the, at that time. So I spent the next seven years, uh, guiding, uh, guiding everything from whitewater rafting to rock climbing to, um, kind of expedition, expeditionary learning type stuff with, uh, kids as young as fifth grade and, you know, as old as, uh, kind of college, college age folks. And, uh, even a lot of older folks that have kind of come back to college. So, um, you know, adults, um, yeah. And, uh, got a, just a good, you know, got a good view of like lots of wild places, started to get an idea of kind of like who's managing all these public lands and, and figuring all that stuff out. And, uh, yeah, just romp, romped around the West essentially teaching and, uh, living out of my van and, uh, you know, would do like a two week course and then would hang out for two weeks and go rock climbing and then rinse and repeat and did that for a whole bunch of years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. sounds kind of like a, like a really cool crash course and, and just kind of, uh, that, that outdoor lifestyle really. Yeah. So after doing that, at what point or, you know, transitioning, you know, from, from being a, a guide and doing that, when did, you know, the whole idea for hunt to eat kind of come around? Yeah. Landed in, I landed back in Denver or back in Colorado, not in Denver at the time, but, um, landed in Colorado. Uh, my brother was here. I moved here with my, what turned into, turned out to be my first wife. Um, I was actually racing road bikes at the time. Um, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. So I, when I land on something, I, I go full force into it. Um, and so I was, I was racing road bikes. I started to manage a team here in, in Colorado. And, uh, but honestly, I just had time to, um, kind of call Colorado home and feel like I had established a bit of a sense of place. And, uh, that was kind of important to me to then say, okay, now I can start hunting. Um, and so since my brother lived here, I was like, all right, man, like I want to hunt, let's do it. And, uh, given who he is and, and all his, um, skill sets, he was, uh, he's a very good teacher. And, uh, so yeah, I went on my first elk hunt and, uh, was kind of hooked. Um, and honestly that was for the first five, I think four years. Yeah. For the first four years, I really only hunted once a year, right? Like I would hunt my elk. Mm-hmm. I'd 
I'd spend a little bit of time, you know, preseason, um, shooting my gun, but like, it, that was pretty much it. Like it was like a, you know, three week endeavor, right. To like shoot my gun a couple times. I was going to always go hunt elk in the same place. Um, cause you know, my brother would always, he was living there. So he would just be like, yeah, that, you know, he always knew the spots. And, um, it was, I think year four where, um, you know, a bunch of life circumstances changed for me here in Colorado. And, uh, I had gotten back to my photography kind of roots and was working in photography and doing that stuff. And, uh, he started working for, uh, for meat eater. And then ultimately I was able to get a job with meat eater as well. Um, and so then hunting kind of took on this, you know, all encompassing kind of thing. Like right. I was, I was shooting photography. I was working for meat eater. Um, you know, and we were going on all these different trips to hunt stuff. So I started to get an idea of like, Oh, there's like how fun Turkey hunting is. And, um, you know, getting to go crane hunting and just like all this different stuff I'd never done before. Um, and so in those conversations around hunting and kind of what the industry was like, uh, we, we, through some conversation, I can't exactly remember where we were, what we were doing, but it was kind of just like, Hey, like, wouldn't it be nice to have a cool t-shirt, right? We're, we, I call ourselves like we're, we're Patagonia dudes, right? We just, we, the ethos of Patagonia, the style, the, um, quality of their gear, all that stuff kind of was, it is what we wear, um, today. And, uh, we thought that we should have that, but have it relate to hunting in some form or fashion. So, um, we wanted to make a good t-shirt that wasn't a cotton boxy, you know, essentially what you walk into big box stores and find, right. Yep. Um, all the stupid slogans about, you know, whatever. (laughs) I think the one, the one that always sticks out is either something where it's like, my wife let me go hunting, um, or something about like, if God wanted us to eat broccoli, he'd put, you know, antlers on it. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, I know, I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Which all of that, you know, there's so much wrong with all of those shirts. Um, in that, you know, I love my garden. I love my vegetables. Like they're good for you. Right. It's, we're not, we're not just meat eaters. Like if you just eat meat, you probably are very unhealthy and have, you know, are gonna you're gonna die of a heart attack young, right? Like all this stuff that it's like it's so anti. It's anti, showing people the that hunting is part of a whole enriching lifestyle, right? Um, or just the like the machismo and all this, you know, um, whatever it, that it's male dominated and all that stuff. There's just like, obviously the 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 culture had a lot of growing up to do. Let's put it that way, right? Um, and so we took that, you know, we took that to heart, really. Um, and uh, we, we kind of said from the get-go that we would always make, we'd always, that we'd never do anything negative. Like all of our t-shirts are always have a positive um, bent to them. Um, and I've had some really funny ones that could we could have put out that, um, you know, but they're slightly negative. And it's just like, it's not a, it's not a vibe we wanted to put out into the world. Right. So, yeah, we started with some Colorado designs and, uh, you know, that, that grew into, Oh, we should do one for every state, <laughs> which we thought we would do really fast. We're still almost eight years into this company and we don't have every state done. Um, which it just is what it is, but we do have like, I think I, it's a rough number, but we're somewhere around a six. Um, a lot of, it's a lot of merch we've put out in the world. And, um, you know, at some point, uh, well about three years into it, we're eight years in now almost. And, uh, 
around a year, around year three, uh, my brother left the company to pursue, you know, the full-time gig at meat eater. Um, and so I was kind of left to my own devices, um, which was, uh, it was great. It was a good time for me to take that kind of that positive, um, mindset and really try to build out a community, um, and kind of a bigger brand that kind of had what we now call our three pillars, right? So community, real food and conservation being the three pillars that we, we build our hunting experience around. Um, and, uh, and people have been really receptive about it. Right. So, um, it's, uh, t-shirt business has been good. Um, it hasn't been great. Um, as with any small business, there's always a lot to learn. Um, given that I didn't, right. I was an outdoor educator. If anything, I was just a teacher, right? I wasn't a business guy. Right. So I had, I had, I had some good, uh, steps along the way that kind of gave me a little bit of foundation for some of the stuff we do now. Um, but ultimately, you know, in the last year or so, uh, we've seen a couple opportunities to pivot, uh, the company a little bit. And so, um, you know, you, this podcast will probably be the first time where people hear all the stuff we have coming down in August. Um, and so, a couple of big things have happened for Hunty in February. I took on new partners in the company. Um, so for all the folks out there who are in the Upland space and they know Project Upland, um, the owners there are, um, are are Chet and AJ, and they own the Northwoods Collective, um, and they came in as partners to Hunty Eat in February. Okay. And so since then, we've been building out um, kind of uh, the media side of Hunty Eat. So. We're not just an apparel brand anymore. We're also a media company as well as an education company. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you said something there that that I definitely want to talk about some more. And one of the things that I think is really, really cool about what you guys are, you know, what you have done with Hunty is community and kind of building this, this all-encompassing kind of idea and lifestyle and not just apparel. Like you said, I mean, now you said, you, you know, you brought on the, you know, the media side of things, but one of the things that I, I've seen that you guys have, have really kind of amped up over the past, uh, or maybe you kind of started it, well, no, let me think back, maybe late last year um, with kind of yeah. the, the mentored hunts uh, and yep. everything like that. Um, I think one of, uh, she is your director of hunting, I believe. No, director, director. of education, excuse me, Cindy yep. Stites, who yep. is, she is awesome. We had her on the podcast very early on. Um, and I think it was actually probably before she came on board at hunt, to, at hunt to eat. But I've since, you know, we, I mean, she helped make the introduction, uh, for you and I, obviously. Um, but like what she does with, with getting, um, you know, the, the mentor side of things and bringing people, you know, into the wilderness and into the hunting community who otherwise, um, you know, might not have an opportunity to. So kind of talk about the community aspect of it. Yeah. I mean that, you know, it really stems from the fact that, I came into this, into the hunting world, um, and didn't even see, you know, I'm like, for given this is a radio essentially show, um, right. Being a able-bodied white male in the world, you would think that I'd fit right in, in the hunting world. And that just wasn't the case. Um, there's just a lot of beliefs and whatever, uh, belief structures that didn't align for me with the general hunting industry that I saw. I mean, that's the whole t-shirts being the way they are in the right. big box stores. Like, that's, that's the vibe that was happening. And I just wasn't down with it at all. Um, and so I, it, once my brother left the company and I really had it to my own, you know, was left to my own volition. I was like, listen, if, if it was this uncomfortable for me to get into hunting, 
what is it like for everybody else that does that isn't a white guy in the world right, right. and you don't have to it's not very hard to go look and ask some people like what it's like and it's it's pretty bad like it's yeah. not a well it's not a welcoming place um largely because just representation matters right and so what the major media in the hunting world does is it 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 speaks to the crowd that is there, not the crowd that could be there. Right. Right. And so that was, that was, uh, we saw that and I saw that as a, it's a, honestly, it's a, it's a good for the world and it's a good business opportunity is to say, cool, well let's make hunting look a little bit different and let's, let's talk to the people who aren't getting, you know, mentioned in social media and in, in all the movies and all that stuff. Um, and so there's, there's just so many people that care about their food from, uh, and there's, that like to recreate out in the woods and so the next step for them is to really um have a conversation and have a place where they feel like they can go explore what that means and that's that's essentially coming to a hunt to eat camp um so yeah this fall we you know we started last year with a camp in south carolina um and then this year we've already run four or five camps um shooting some turkeys and some hogs um and then this fall we've got everything from upland camps to deer camps and they're all across the country. Um, I think we've got some 15 camps planned already. Um, and we're just, we're just planning into the next year into 2022 already. But, uh, yeah, just a lot of opportunity to, um, meet folks from across the, you know, across all of the United States. Like I think there are one Wisconsin camp, which is already sold out. Um, nobody is coming to that camp from Wisconsin. They're coming from Florida and from California. You know, they're coming from all over the place um, to experience something new, somewhere different. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that it's going to snowball into all of the other stuff we have coming. Um, all the other places, kind of the media side of things, where we're going to share some of these stories. Um, but uh, yeah, getting just getting people together um, that you wouldn't necessarily expect in the in the traditional hunting community. And, uh, just getting to know folks on a really real level. Um, you know, there's, we all know as hunters, right. That like the hunting experience is something that, you know, maybe it grows a little dull on you once you've done it for 20 years, but like ultimately it's a, it's a really powerful experience, right. To take the life of something. And so to build that into a experience where brand new hunters get to meet brand new people and have a facilitated experience around that like life life changing experience um it's powerful it's cool it's it's a great way to make lifelong friends um yeah no you're yeah. you're absolutely right there and it's you're right it's a very powerful thing um hunting whether it's an upland bird it's you know a big game uh it's a hog a turkey whatever the case is right there's it, it's a very powerful thing um, when, when you, like you said, take the life of an animal and, you know, not just the act of harvesting an animal, but you know, everything after the fact, right. Cause that's just kind of a small portion of, of the kind of the, the greater picture. And, you know, going back to, to one of the pillars of hunt, you know, real food and yeah, I mean, it, it seems like there's been like, I don't, I don't know if it's like a, a movement or just a, a shift back to kind of the, the origins of why people hunted, right? For that sustainability to, to know where your food came from, you know, back when people started hunting, that was because that was the only way they could feed themselves was, was to sure. hunt, you know, and, you know, throughout the course of time, you know, a lot of us became very complacent in terms of, you know, 
anything you need, you can just go to the grocery store and, you know, no one really cared where it came from, how it got there, whatever. Um, they just knew that you could go to the grocery store and buy your chicken, buy your steak, you know, what have you. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's nice to see that, that the way of, of looking at hunting in the outdoors kind of coming full circle, I guess, and coming back around to the reason we even started this in the first place. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I think in general people are wanting, you know, technology and all the, all the good things that technology does. It also takes us away from, uh, some of these kind of core, core life experiences, right. Which is connecting with people in, in person, um, connecting with our food, knowing where it comes from and kind of having our hands in the dirt, um, or our hands in the blood, if you will. Um, it's a little, it's a little much for some people, but it's just a very real reality of like, if you want a piece of meat and you want to be responsible for it, your hands are going to get bloody. Um, just, just like they're going to get dirty in the, you know, picking the carrot. Um, and then nature, man, it's just like technology is good for a lot of things, but nature, nature heals a lot more than, than some of that technology does. So, um, people, uh, I think people are just better people when they spend more time outside. Right. So, yeah, that, um, that's that's very true. I had a guest on a few weeks ago who him and I were talking about just kind of the the healing powers of the outdoors. Right. How, you know, a, a lot of times yeah. after maybe like a, a traumatic life experience or maybe just a life altering experience, you know, kind of getting out into the woods, it just kind of lets you clear your head, uh, maybe reconnect with someone. If you just recently lost someone like it's just I don't know if it's the solitude of it Um what it is, but it, it definitely has a way of grounding you and kind of recentering you in terms of kind of everything else that's going on, you know, uh, outside and around you. Yep. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's, um, again, it's good business and it's good. It's a good thing for the world, I think, to be focused on those kind of three pillars. So, um, yeah, so we're, um, we've, you know, we've got a lot on the, on the docket for camps. Um, uh, building those all out, um, you know, getting lots of, uh, we're calling them educators. It's not really just mentors, you know, like it's, it's great to have people who are passionate about hunting and who know, who know hunting well, but it's, uh, we're honestly looking for, uh, folks who actually have a, a bit of a pedigree in education, um, to come and work our camps. Um, we're, you know, they're all paid staff, um, so that they, you know, can put forth a really like an educational experience for folks, um, out there in the woods. Um, so yeah, along with that, we're, uh, we're also launching the Hunty magazine. Um, so come August 1st, um, it'll, we'll be talking about it and, uh, come October 1st, you'll have it in your, uh, in your mailbox. So it's a, it'll be a quarterly magazine. Um, everything from, homesteading to gardening to hunting stories to um you know long form reads uh you know short columns um awesome photography um yeah it's gonna be uh i think more bon appetit than uh than than any other hunting magazine you've probably seen before but uh and obviously you know thanks to the folks at uh at the northwoods collective that's you know uh largely they are kind of running the show and uh Gabby, who's our director of marketing right now, is uh, transitioning into editor in chief okay. um, of the of the magazine, uh, as well as the online editorial. So, we just dropped a new website last week. Um, so, if folks go and check that new website out, they'll see that there's a lot more written content there for them to 
kind of explore recipes and explore how to's and kind of uh, species profiles and things like that. Um, so yeah, we're, we're super pumped to put out essentially, uh, or to build, I'll say like our own bully pulpit, right? Like we've, we've kind of seen that the, if we're going to, sh- if we really want the industry to shift a little bit towards the stories that we're telling, then we honestly just needed to, uh, make the platforms to, to do that ourselves. So, um, likewise in about the same time frame, you'll see us drop right now, I think four new podcasts. Um, oh, wow. so you'll, yeah, so you'll see the hunt to eat show, um, that it's coming with, uh, Casey and Paul are going to be doing that. And that'll kind of like a short form editorial, um, that'll be fast, fast paced. Um, it'll move through kind of hunting community, real food and, edu- and uh, conservation kind of in every episode. Um, and then, uh, we have a couple of chefs that we're working with that are going to be doing like a more, um, you know, wild, uh, foraged and cooked, um, in content. And then, uh, Jonah Curtis, who's been one of our longstanding ambassadors, he's, uh, he'll have a homesteading podcast coming. Okay. Yeah. I know Jonah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a riot. He's such a great guy and, uh, yeah. he's just really well informed about, I mean, his own homestead is so fantastic. And so he'll be sharing tons of content from there in a podcast. Um, he'll also have an ongoing column in the, uh, in our, in the magazine. And then, uh, there's a couple other kind of things in the works as well. So, um, yeah, we're pumped to have just a lot more content out there for folks to consume and, uh, and learn from. So, yeah, well, first off, that's that's super exciting. I mean, and you guys aren't just kind of dabbling with the media side of things. I mean, you guys are going all in and kind of covering all your bases with the magazine yep. and then the different podcasts and, and things like that. I mean, that's that's awesome. And for this day and age, and it, what it seems like there's there's kind of a shift with the with the outdoor community and whether it's just you know more younger people are getting involved or the younger voices in the hunting community are just getting louder, uh, especially, yeah. you know, with social media growing and everything like that, that this is a, a perfect opportunity yet yeah, to, to have a bunch of content out there, especially for people who want to learn more, um, not only about the hunting side of things, but like, you know, the homesteading and, and the foraging and, you know, how to, you know, create all of these great meals with, you know, various types of wild game that's out there. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it, it's fun. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a great way for the voices that haven't been heard um, in the industry to really come forward a bit more. I think um, it doesn't matter if you're a huge, you know, just it's uh, social media maybe has democratized um, how people get heard in the world, yeah. um, which I think is uh, here. I think it's it's for the better. Um, we also actually have a bunch of. Uh, movies coming out so um we've got a huge documentary that uh documentary project that's titled right now on the land um that's a partnership that hunt eats working on um that'll drop probably early next year um and then we also will be working uh hunt eats specifically we'll be doing a little shorter form um kind of mini movies if you will um throughout the course of the next well just ongoing really so um if folks have if folks have uh, interesting folks that they think uh, their stories should be told, um, and they, uh, those stories aren't getting picked up by the bigger brands, uh, definitely reach out to us at Hunt to Eat, and we'd love to have conversations with people about um, telling those stories because 
there's so many fantastic people in the world um, who haven't had their voices heard. So um, I'm excited to raise them up a little bit. Yeah, no, that's that's great because you're absolutely right that there's there's far more people out there um, that no one's ever heard of that no one knows about their story um, than those that are kind of constantly being talked about or, or are constantly being the stories about certain people that are constantly being told because that's one of the great things about the podcast that I've been able to experience is all the different stories about people you know doing this tremendous work you know in the field of conservation I mean I had a gentleman on very early on who he lives in uh, in Pennsylvania like northern like northeast Pennsylvania and got involved somehow in transferring mountain goats oh gosh from somewhere out in Washington so basically like he hopped a flight out to Washington like got a like volunteered and drove a refrigerated box truck with mountain goats in it to re to relocate them from one park to another. And it's just like this. Yeah. It's just this crazy story. Just, you know, just a random dude who wanted to help and, you know, wanted to get involved. And here he is, you know, transporting, you know, mountain goats and, you know, across the country from him. So, you know, if, if there's one story like that, I mean, there's gotta be thousands out there of, of people doing just crazy things, awesome things that, that more and more people need to hear about. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so from now, we, we've kind of touched on the first two pillars a little bit. And, and obviously, one of the ones I, I really want to talk about um, is the conservation side of things. Um, yeah. So from the 2%, side, 2% for conservation side of things, how was it that you first learned about 2%? Uh, I mean, Jared... I don't know where I met Jared Frazier, um, but he definitely, I just call him a friend now. Yeah. Um, boy, I, that's funny. I, I have forgotten where we met. I'm not sure if it was a BHA event or, or what, but, um, yeah, as soon as he had this wild hair of an idea, we were, we were game, you know, I mean, part of, part of how we started, um, certainly not all of it, but part of it was, uh, you know, partnering with good conservation organizations because what I essentially saw happening with the t-shirts is that, and I still see it happening with t-shirts. I mean, there was literally huge, uh, efforts were made this year selling t-shirts that I would just never wear because they're, they're printed really poorly. Um, and so unfortunately what happens is that people spend all these marketing dollars on making merchandise that is cheaper so they can make a lot more of it. But if it's cheap, nobody wants to wear it. Yeah. And if nobody wants to wear it, then your message just gets put either in the garbage or it gets made into a rag or it gets put into the t-shirt drawer, but it's all the way in the back, right? And it's yeah. like, well, what's the point? What's the point of investing all that money if no one's actually going to see it? Whereas, you know, I, I see people wearing Hunt Eat t-shirts all the time, particularly online, but like you can tell it's their favorite t-shirt because it's a comfortable t-shirt, Yeah. right? It's so like when we did the migration corridors t-shirt, like I see people all over Idaho, Montana and Wyoming wearing that shirt all the time. It's super comfortable and the graphics are cool. Uh, and so then it's there for them to have a conversation with people when they're sitting at the bar or doing, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so that essentially that's part of how we got started was like, providing that service to conservation organizations and saying, Hey, like, let us do something cool for you, um, for a a discounted rate, um, and then selling them t-shirts so they could get the message out. Um, and that certainly worked as a business model for a little while. 
moved away from because it wasn't a successful model. Um, but I'm still, we still do some of that work with folks. So like actually just, um, two or three nights ago, I went out to, uh, Red Rocks amphitheater here in Denver and got to see the travel by turtles, um, the band, uh, play a show there. And man, was it fun to walk into Red Rocks and see, um, you know, local folks, hunters wearing the trampled by pheasants t-shirts that we made. That was a collaboration between trampled by turtles and pheasants forever. Um, and we did the artwork for it, um, and printed the shirts, you know, to share the message of, of, uh, of pheasant conservation and kind of like how cool upland hunting is, you know, yeah. thanks to those folks. Um, and those guys are rocking, the, you know, they're just so pumped to, to be rocking that shirt and it's out there in the world and they're having conversations about it. So we're still doing a little bit of that. We have a new, again, another partnership with pheasants forever and trampled by turtles. We're working on that right now for a the second version of that. Um, we, you know, we've been doing a little bit on the side here, like the new Arizona Wildlife Federation uh, logo is one that we designed. Um, so there's, you know, there's a little, there's stuff on the side here now that we're still working on and helping people with. Um, I think ultimately you'll see as far as the conservation stuff from us um, in the in the podcasts and in the in the movies and whatnot, we'll be talking about some of those issues that don't necessarily get talked about as much, you know, the effects okay. of climate change, the effects of climate change on hunting and conservation issues. Um, you know, I think in the, in the hunting show with Casey and Paul, they'll be interviewing a lot more scientists and kind of talking about the work they're actually doing in the field okay. um, and share and sharing those stories a little bit more. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all a work in progress. There's also some, uh, some discussions about, uh, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate the kind of boots on the ground work. Um, I think that's where people feel really, um, like they can really make a difference. Right. So I appreciate yeah. that about 2% for conservation that like they ask for your time and for your money. Um, and it's really giving back that time. So like this year, um, two weeks ago I went out with a buddy, um, and he's the, uh, He's the adoptee of a part of the Colorado Trail, and so we went out there and uh, for two days we just uh, we brought the it was in wilderness, so we brought chainsaws, but they're you know it's literally a chain. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that uh, that saw, but it's pretty crazy. You know, you like put some sticks on either end and you drag that chain across the log and cut get it. to work. Yeah, get to work. So we ended up cutting like some thirty logs um, off the trail and okay. just clearing trail for two days. Um, and I, th I think that people, again, people want to be out in nature. People want to be connected with other people. Um, and so that type of trail work is, uh, is a really good way to give back to, uh, you know, and that's the Colorado trail. It's not really, it's not a place I hunt or anything. It's not a, it's a, it's a, if anything, it's just another trail. I might go backpack with my wife or something like that, but, um, it's it felt really good to leave that place knowing, you know, that like every trail user that was coming through there was going to have a clear path to yeah. enjoy the day. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, that that's really cool. Especially like you said, I mean, you, you don't hunt that area and you know, you maybe you'll go, you know, backpacking with your wife or something through there. But for the most part, it was just, it was the right thing to do, right? It was, yeah. it, it was something that needed to be done and you guys spent a weekend doing as much as you could. And I mean, that's, that's the beauty about, you know, not only what 2% asks of its, its members, 
But, you know, just with giving back in general and the boots on the ground is like it can be anything, right? It can be anything right. that, that betters, you know, wildlife, habitat, wilderness, uh, you know, anything like that. So to when I look at and when I think about what you just did, I mean, that's, you know, that's that doesn't really benefit you uh, kind of directly. Right. It's going to benefit a ton of other people, but you still did it anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's. uh if anything, it just hurt my lower back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know for, for, for people listening, um, Mating and I can see each other, um, but uh, he's he's in some pain over there. Every time he kind of, he, he readjusts or, or shifts on the couch there or anything like that, yeah. he's he's wincing a little bit. So yeah, I appreciate you bearing with me here. No, it's all good. It's uh, I'm hoping that the, the uh, pregnazone kicks in here shortly and really gets my back. I just strained it like lifting a couch the other day. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate 2%, you know, driving that home with folks and with businesses and individuals. And, uh, I think it's a good, it's a good standard, like not a standard folks, right. Do 1% of their time and 1% of their money. Um, it's quite a low standard, I think. Um, but the more people we have doing it, the better it is. So, um, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely urge folks to consider, um, making that a, a thing that they do. Um, yeah, because yeah. All, all, every little bit, you know, even if you just, you know, you look at, you just kind of look yourself in the mirror and you're like, you know, what can I do? Well, yeah, you may only be able to do so much, but if you do it and I do it and the guy across the street does it, I mean, all those little things, they add up over time. And that's what I always say at the end of every podcast. It's like conservation starts with you, right? Like you have to make that, that conscious decision, that effort to, to go out and make a change and hope that, you know, Someone else maybe out on the trailhead sees you doing that or someone sees you down at the river while you're fishing, you know, picking up trash when you're all done or picking up trash on your way to your fishing spot or anything like that. And the next time they're out, they're doing the same thing. And just this, you know, you, you hope that there's just this ripple effect, you know, anytime you're out in the field and you come across someone else and, and they see you, you know, doing something that should be done. Yep, for sure. Yeah, it's a good, it makes me think about the way I talk to, um, to folks about hunting right and we were like so this past weekend we were at a farmer's market um just, honestly i mean we're yes we we're trying to sell spots for the hunt camps but honestly we're just trying to share wild game you know the whole venison diplomacy thing like hey have you tried wild game like have a piece you know here's i, sh- I shared a bunch of whitetail backstrap and elk backstrap with people for four hours and um you know people people ask questions about hunting and you know the like, where, where do you start and all of that? And for me, really, it's like, everyone's a hunter, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, when you walk into a grocery store, you are hunting with dollar bills <laughs> and you are, ma- you are making general, probably most people are making a very unconscious decision. Um, but hopefully people start to move to just more conscious decisions around what is, what's the effect of me buying, you know, this product versus that product. Um, and that's hunting, man. That's like, you're affecting a food system. You're affecting the ecology of your place of the ecology of this planet by the choices you make in a grocery store. And if that's the place where you are at right now as a, as a hunter, welcome to the table. Yeah. Like that's a great place to be. We want people to make more conscious decisions around where their food comes from. Um, be that buying a, you know, grass fed beef versus buying some massive you know massively farmed piece of beef like the more better the more decisions you're making that you're thinking through um that's a good place that's a good thing for our planet right for everyone to start there so um yeah i just encourage everyone to keep 
keep thinking about it. And there's no, there's no perfect answer, right? Like, um, I'll be the first one to say that, like, um, this is a cut from Taco Bell because I didn't have time for lunch today, right? <laughs> and, like, I ate tacos for lunch from there. And, like, yeah, it's not the best. It's fully not the best. It's, a, it's supporting a food system I don't want to support. But that's the reality of, like, we do what we can when we can. And yeah. hopefully we're moving towards something a little bit better. And uh, hopefully next time I pack my lunch from home, right? But, like, we're, you know, we're all human and we do what we do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. We all, we all make those decisions and I, you know, I don't yeah. think people should be, should be shamed for them. But yeah, if, if, if you know that you're making that decision, excuse me, making that decision and you're going, well, this isn't the best, but you know, I know this isn't the norm. This isn't what I'm doing every day, but you know, sometimes situations call for, for a little bit of Taco Bell and there's, there's yep. no shame in that. <laughs> no, there isn't. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, I, it, I, that, I like the name of the of your podcast, right? The average conservationist, and it's like I think that's that's we've always carried a bit of that mantra at Hunt to Eat is that like like I'm an average hunter, you know, like I'm an average cook. Like my go to cooking is like a burger, right? And there's yeah. no shame in that. It's like, however, whatever your experience is of your own wild game, and if you like it, then all the better, right? And if you want to slowly move towards something a little bit different like hunt eats there with you right well we've got an awesome burger recipe for you we've also got like the next step we'll teach you the next couple of tricks to put up your sleeve uh, um to cook you know something a little bit uh, a little fancier but uh man there's nothing shame and just like good good average hunting make, to make good average burgers you know if you like it then yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of where the whole name stemmed from, from my, you know, from my company. And then obviously with the podcast, it, you know, it just was kind of fortuitous that it worked out like teaming up with 2% to, to kind of bring this podcast was that, you know, I think there's a lot more people out there that are like you and I, in terms of, you know, just being average hunters, right? Like they do it when they can, you know, they really enjoy it. It's, it's part of what they do. It's part of who they are, but you know, not all of us, unfortunately, can can make a living hunting, you know, all year round. And for those that can't, you know, there's that, that and that's kind of where the name came from. That's what I wanted to celebrate and not just, you know, average hunters, but, you know, people that are are, you know, working nine to fives, but then still finding time to give back to conservation because they just love hunting and they love the outdoors. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. uh, it is all to be celebrated. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. real quick, Mating here before I let you go. I know um, yeah. I always I always try to ask people uh, when we wrap things up is you know do you have any like big hunts or anything like that that you're really excited for? Uh, I know fall is right around the corner here. I do. Um, let's see, big hunts. Um, two hunts. I'm I'm really excited to get back in the elk woods. Um, I do love it. Um, we've got. I mean, so I'm I'm a bit lucky that I get to go hunt on all the hunt camps not necessarily always hunting. I'm going to be carrying a camera for most of them. Um, but I do have a, a week in the woods with a really good buddy and his uh, nephew and a buddy of his, um, and they're, uh, they're active green berets. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm, they had success last year, but I'm just, I'm so pumped to be in the archery elk woods calling, you know, hearing bugles like, man, that's, that is, <laughs> there's just nothing quite like a, screaming bull at like yeah. five yards when you get to experience that so I'm, I'm pretty pumped to get out there in the woods with those guys and uh I, there's been a bit of banter already going back and forth like i'm sure these guys could like carry me out of the woods because they're just they're literally 
built like shit brick houses, right? They're like uh, brick shit houses. Um, they're just built to like carry like a lot. They like go rucking with like 110 pounds, yeah. which is like, <laughs> like I, you know, like I'm not that light, but I'm, you know, I'm not that much over that weight either. So it's like, um, but then they also complain about like how fast they're my buddy who's their uncle um you know we're ultra runners and stuff so we like we run around the woods and the mountains without any problem but uh, it'll just be fun to like see the big dudes versus the little dudes and out in the elk woods um and then honestly i've got an elk tag for myself that's uh just a kind of a grocery hunt it's uh we're hopefully going to tell a bit of the story behind it but uh there's a open space in boulder where um they've got a resident elk herd now that okay. doesn't leave it doesn't it doesn't migrate anymore and so uh, I drew one of those tags to go shoot a cow um, out of this herd. So um, it'll just be a different experience. Um, I'm, I'm just pumped to put meat in the in the freezer again um, with all of the farmer stand stuff we're doing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm definitely trying to um, hunt as much as I can so I have as much meat as I can to share with folks um, over the course of the next year or so. Yeah, and if you're going to give um, out uh, backstraps for four hours on a Saturday, man, that stuff's going to go pretty quick. <laughs> I know, I know. So, yeah, I'm trying to trying to fill the freezer in a bunch of different places, so I've got a lot to give away. So, um, right on. Yeah, you know, we've got a couple of camps that we're partnering with um, with Tyler Webster from the uh, Birds, Booze, and Birds. Sorry, I'm messing up Tyler's name of his podcast. Birds, Booze, and Buds podcast, um, along with Project Upland. Um, so we've got like a sharp tail grouse camp in North Dakota and a, uh, quail camp in Arizona, um, with both spots left for, for both of those camps. Um, but I've never hunted grouse. So okay. I'm just like a pump to get out there and experience uh, something see, new. Yeah. See some different species, you know? Yeah. Um, so it should be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, no, it yeah. sounds, it sounds like a real kick-ass fall that you have coming up and, and I wish you all the success while you're out there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. Well, all right. Mating, thank you again, man. I, I look forward to seeing all the cool stuff that uh, that you guys have coming out here in the next few weeks and uh, subscribing and, and getting my first catalog here. My, yeah, or awesome. my first magazine, excuse me. Yeah, 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 totally. Cool, man. Well, thanks for the opportunity and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Take care. All right. See ya. All right. All right. Well, thanks again to Mating for taking some time to join me today and tell us about some of the cool stuff that uh, is coming down the pike for Hunt to Eat. I uh, would like to thank the partners of the podcast, Wild Rivers Coffee, Go Hunt, and Stone Glacier. Uh, please be sure and support the companies that support this podcast and help make it possible. Uh, I would also like to thank 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to follow 2% on social media where they're going to post only positive content so you enjoy their conservation-focused posts in your feed. Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit them online at fishandwildlife.org or check them out on social media. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Uh, Remember, stay safe out there and conservation starts with you. 